Hey, I'm Waylon. And I'm Allie. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, the podcast born by entrepreneurs, hosted by the Entrepreneurs Network. Today, we are delighted to have Vivian Chen on. Vivian is the founder and CEO of Rise, a professional social network that enables companies to proactively build relationships with people. Prior to Rise, Vivian was an operator who built brands and products high-impact businesses for Fortune 500 companies, high-growth startups, as well as leading VCs, PE firms, and global institutions. Each week, we bring you stories of female entrepreneurs around the world as we kickstart our own entrepreneurial journeys together. Join us as we talk with Vivian about how we share our most authentic selves and how we can support female entrepreneurs globally. Hello and welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast. We are so excited to be doing another recording this week and especially excited because this week we have Vivian, the co-founder and CEO of Rise on the pod today. How are you feeling? Good. Super excited to connect and talk with you guys. Awesome. We're really excited to have you on too and to hear your journey, your entrepreneurial story. We got a little bit of taste before we got started and I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, we got to talk about this on the podcast because I can already sense like the story between like corporate and entrepreneurship and the intertwined. So I'm super excited about this episode in particular. But before we get started, I'd love to ask you a question we ask all our guests, which is what excites you when you wake up in the morning? Oh, great question. Um, And I think you guys touched on this a little bit even before in the conversation, right? Um, I'm not a morning person. And when I used to work in corporate, definitely struggled with getting out of bed. Um, I think in some ways I was notorious for being, uh, quote unquote, a little bit late to work in the morning. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of you are Gen Z, but, you know, I'm a millennial and they used to make fun of me as like, you know, the always tardy millennial, but always got my shit done. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Always got my work done. Um, but, you know, um, definitely had uh, had some moments where, you know, um, uh, didn't quite make it to the 9 a.m. meetings on time. Um, these days, I will say though, I wake up naturally, generally around 7, 7.30, which is quite early for me, knowing my history. Um, and when I wake up in the morning, it's actually, I'm just excited and energized. Um, the other day, I turned to my husband and said, you know, I'm actually really, um, really fulfilled and really excited about going to work every day, which is, you know, honestly, like, you know, going from <laughs> the bed to the couch or sometimes the kitchen table. But I'm super excited to just like build every single day. And I'm genuinely loving every moment of work. And I think that's really different from where my path had been and the feelings that I had in the morning, the Sunday scaries or the dread that you feel when you're like, oh my gosh, just another day of like, you know, doing something where it's just for a paycheck. Absolutely. And it must feel so gratifying as well, especially with COVID, given the fact that like, you're not at work seeing people you maybe would like, but don't like the job or enjoying those like nice coffees at work, whatever. It's really about enjoying the work or going on to zoom and actually enjoying it or whatever that may be so i think it's really gracious of you to like appreciate that as well because it's not something that some people like understand how like special that is in some way some people have been logging on to zoom things that they hate just to get those paychecks knowledge like the luckiness and the gratitude and of course your hard work to be able to get there is amazing so yeah yeah, i really applaud you for that yeah definitely super grateful um something it's a practice that i think um a lot of entrepreneurs uh, need to have just recognize the positive moments, um, the good things, because um, we all know that the journey is punctuated by many negative things. Um, and the positive things are, you know, um, those little moments that you celebrate and go for. 
I love that. And I think on that note as well, like this idea of how like in the past you've had a history of like maybe not loving like waking up super early, but now you've kind of found yourself shifting towards that. For all my Gen Zs who are out here up at 2 a.m., like, listen, you can change too. Um, Ali and I are very early risers. Like we both really enjoy our mornings, but um, as you expect on a college campus, there are a few of us. Uh, I feel like most of us. I wouldn't know. I never woke up that early. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I never saw the slide. No, honestly. I don't want to know. Oh my yeah. yeah. So I definitely love this idea of how like you might have a routine once in your life that works, but like that's not going to be your routine all the time. And I think it's really important to applaud your journey and transition through different types of routines and building morning routines and evening routines. But I would love to kind of shift our conversation to like the beginnings of your entrepreneurial journey. And I don't mean like starting your first startup or IPOing for the first time. I mean like the little like inklings of entrepreneurial spirit that you saw when you were a child or maybe throughout university. For sure. Um, so, you know, this is um, something that I actually remembered recently. Um, so now um, as a founder, you know, um, I actually love jumping on some sales calls with um, customers and clients because, you know, reading your customer, understanding them, hearing their feedback live is something that really energizes me. And thinking back on what got me excited, and I realized that, like, um, growing up, I grew up in China until um, I was nine years old. And um, yeah, I used to go to like the wet markets with my grandma. Um, and from time to time, she would have random things that she, you know, would like go and sell and I would help her. Um, and I remember, you know, being super young, maybe like, I want to say like even four or five years old and just really loving talking with people and trying to see what will get them excited about certain things that we have. And people used to call me like little adult because, you know, the way that you would talk would be like, oh my God, like that's, she's so cute. You know, like she talks like she's like a little adult. And I, I think something about that was sort of that initial inkling of loving to like talk to people and uh, the idea of selling something and, and describing a product to someone to get them excited was um, started at a very young age. Um, I think I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial uh, later on around high school um, when I actually started an organization um, where um, we asked companies and corporations for donations of books. Um, and we actually went around the world building libraries, which was super, um, super fruitful. Um, and I was able to corral together a group of my friends. Um, and we went to really remote places like Masamara in Kenya. Um, we've been to Honduras um, and we had ambassadors um, that went to places like Russia and Indonesia. Um, and it was also the first time that I got a taste of what it's like to cold email or cold letter writing back in the day. <laughs> um, uh, you know, not only to the companies, but um, there was a moment when I was like, who's the most powerful and important person I could tell about the company, this, you know, this organization that I have. And uh, back in uh, 2005, four, something like that, um, I think Clinton was still uh, the, the president. Uh, and so I was like, I'm going to write to the White House and I'm going to write to the president. And surprisingly, he wrote me back. I don't know if it's him or someone in his office, but, you know, as a 16 year old, it was 
really exciting to get that from someone that's you know so up there and so powerful it taught me the lesson that just don't be afraid and you know reach out um, even if it is the president of the united states oh my god i love 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 that i love the idea of reaching out i cannot tell you how many emails and cold messages waylon and i send out every single day and i think once you adapt like you have that mentality you're like you know what if they don't respond that's great that's fine yeah, yeah. Like right now, I don't have their contact and I'm fine. I'm vibing. I'm living life. If they respond, that's great. But also if they don't, I'm just where I am now, which is also great. I love, love that. Who is your person that you're looking forward to reach out right now? Who's someone you want to connect with? Uh, Matilde Collins. She's the CEO of Front um, and amazing founder that like, you know, I read all of her um, writing on uh, her blog. Um, and you take a look at her fundraising strategy and fundraising deck. It was just the most crazy, insane uh, process uh, as well as story. Um, her, her growth chart literally looks like that. And um, just, you know, she closed her, I believe, series A in something like five days. It's just- Wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. I already know Allie right after this call, like we are going to email her. We are going to LinkedIn connect with her and see what we can Please do. mention me too, because I you know, know. <laughs> she's definitely like, I, I mentioned her in like, I've mentioned her in multiple podcasts now. <laughs> We're on it. We will find a way. You're manifesting at heart. I appreciate That's that. Right. Yeah. Love that. What do you think about her inspires you the most? So I know you mentioned she has a lot of accomplishments, but um is it like those that inspire you or is it something about her drive or her motivation? I think it's the fact that she's heads down working. A lot of times I think for too many female entrepreneurs, and I think this is kind of like um, driven by just what is needed at the, the, the world and the society at large, which is like, oftentimes we feel like this need to build this like personal brand, right? Like you have to be on the cover of like Fast Company or, you know, you have to have a presence on LinkedIn or Twitter or, you know, Instagram and constantly talking to your audience and building your personal brand and beyond the like list of like top 50 most whatever iconic female entrepreneurs and like all this pressure to sort of have that PR machine behind you. And I get it because we need the visibility and we need the recognition, but, you know, oftentimes I find that people don't know about her. Um, she's a YC founder, you know, she, um, I, I believe at this point front is a series C, maybe even series D company. So incredibly successful. She's just heads down working. And her thing is the day-to-day -day work is not glamorous, but you just got to focus and focus on that one thing. And for her, it was all about, you know, getting revenue, um, and putting on her blinders and saying no to things and ignoring the world around her and just saying, this is what will get my company to be successful. And, you know, not every day is going to be uh, pretty. So just be in the trenches and get it done. I love that. And I think that's a message for all of our audience to learn as well. What do you think, or what do you hope that you're inspiring like younger Gen Z female entrepreneurs to do? So clearly like Matilda, it has been like a huge inspiration in your life, but kind of like what's one takeaway that you hope that you're leaving for the next generation? I hope it will be easier for them. I hope I will open enough doors so that the people that are, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship will have an easier time than uh, I do, or, you know, even the, the, the generations before me did. Um, I think it is 
slightly better now, but still, you know, like a long way to go. Um, just looking at the stats, right? Like uh, 2% of even today, right? 2% of VC dollars go towards women. That's a stat that before going on this journey, that's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I understand that, right? Like it's hard, but it's not something that you internalize until you're in it and you're doing it and experiencing it every single day, day in and day out. And there have been many moments, especially in the last year with COVID and lockdown, the pandemic, when I questioned, right, whether or not this was the right thing for me. And thinking back about what I want uh, in terms of, you know, the next generation of female entrepreneurs, Gen Z entrepreneurs that are coming up, it's, I want to do things so that it's easier for you coming up next, right? I hope that enough VCs will recognize that women are building powerful companies that, you know, you don't vet us and ask us questions that are not, um, uh, not the right. So for example, I'll give you an example, right? Like women get, get asked a lot more questions about why this might fail as opposed to why this might be a, a billion dollar company. Um, I hope you know that's something that VCs will recognize and the next generation of women won't get asked those questions. I heard a horror story today of another female founder just kind of swapping notes about how a VC lowered her company's valuation by multiple millions of dollars because she found out that she was pregnant. Um, oh. Yeah, those are the types of things where it's not okay. And I hope, you know, for um, uh, younger entrepreneurs that are trying to build their own um, billion dollar um, category creation companies that these conversations are kind of a thing in the past. Yeah, for sure. I think speaking from my experience, I spoke to like a lot of startups this summer as well as like VC fund owners who are females. And on the VC fund owners, like two of them were telling me how like when they were pregnant, like nine months pregnant, they were asked to go pitch something or they had to go to like investor meeting and they like were like literally about to have a baby. But because like the culture is so male dominated, um, they ended up having to like literally pitch a company while being pregnant. And then the other one that I heard is just like, um, like the way that like the male dominated dominated space makes a lot of barriers for women who are trying to enter a lot of the terminology a lot of the like words that are being thrown around make it really extremely hard um, for that to for that to be accessible and then like even for femtech I was talking to a company that works in menopause um, and they're really trying to help women who are older and who are going through menopause still like feel pleasure um, and like they couldn't get enough funding. And I think they're like, it's not going well because nobody really understands or like the investors don't understand. So I definitely resonate yeah. with your, with your messaging there. Um, yeah. No, just like amazing to hear these stories are like every single day I'm seeing something. And right now I'm sure you guys are following the case of Elizabeth Holmes right now. It's just going on, which is a whole other beast to tackle. And like hearing conversations about it and people like, wait, I was like, yeah, there's a lot of what she did. Like I'm not saying what she did was good at all my goodness no what she did she frauded people that's a whole thing for sure I believe that however something she did do was really playing to the fact that like she had a deeper voice and that she tried to be this like masculine woman almost and my friends are like why like I don't get it like that doesn't make any sense I'm like no like you have to understand there's like 2.7 percent of 2.7 percent of VC funding goes to females. So she you need to like, you need to like work already at a disadvantage. Like there's so many things that like psychological things that like you have to do everything from like, it's either like playing like, oh, I've got that deeper voice or like playing in like, 
I'm like a Silicon Valley darling. Like I'm so sweet. And like, it's almost like a daughter role, which is so uncomfortable to think about. Um, but yeah, like there's all these terrible, terrible like stereotypes and backwards roles that happen um, that we really need to just like yeah. do away with people to like go on your own merit, not on your sexuality, your race, your any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a story that, you know, uh, my, another female founder friend of mine, we were talking and again, swapping notes on like investors and stuff. And she said that she did an experiment where she changed her zoom background. Um, previously she had a background where there were a couple of like bookshelves in the back. And when she showed it to me, I was like, Oh, you know, that looks cute. Right. And she's like, exactly. She's like, it looked like a college dorm. So it made the investors uh, you know, um, potentially contextualize me and my company in a much more juvenile way. So she's like, now I switch my Zoom background in an executive office in almost like a boardroom type of situation. She's like, and I dress up for every single meeting. And it's almost like I'm going in for like a dog and pony show. I give them what they want to make them take me more seriously as a female founder. And she's like, and there's a drastic change in how investors are seeing her and um, the conversations versus before when she had the, the background where it made her look more like she was um, a, a much younger, uh, inexperienced entrepreneur which is fascinating. So now, you know, whenever I do meetings, I, I take that into consideration and, you know, think about is my background in this case, there's not much here. Right. But when I'm, you know, uh, thinking about if I don't have a background or if I have a background, what kind of an image and picture do I want to send to the investors knowing that that first impression is so important. I think that's so, I think that being in school for a year and a half and like being on Zoom constantly like day in, day out has made me kind of like numb to this idea that like my background image is so important. But I think you bring up like a really important point that like it really does change everything in some cases. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow, that's so important. to. I feel like sometimes I'm so complacent. I'm like, it's fine if like my bed's not made or it's fine if like my lighting is not the best. But I think that's such an important reminder um, for like job interviews that are over Zoom or like potentially even pitching your company over Zoom. This is, um, goes yeah. back, sorry, one for a second. This goes back to sort of what I was saying before that when male investors or investors in general, when they're looking at male-led companies, it's oftentimes thinking about how they will succeed, how they will become a huge billion dollar opportunity versus when they're talking to um, female founders and female entrepreneurs is often um, where could this go wrong and looking for a way to say no. So I now find ways to never give them an opportunity to say no to me. Um, so and that means changing my background. I will change my background. Speaking of, why are we not going to say no to you? Why are we going to join Rise today? Tell me. Sorry, say that question again. Didn't. <laughs> so speaking of saying no, tell me why we're not going to say no to you today and why we are all going to join Rise. Because Rise is the future. What is Rise? Rise is a professional social network that enables women and diverse professionals um, to create an identity online and for companies to make the first move and to build that relationship proactively. Tools like LinkedIn is too old school and antiquated. It's 20 years old and it's basically a digital resume which doesn't show off the dynamic humans that we all are. We're all wearers of money hats, right? You guys are students, but you also run a podcast. I'm sure there are all these other things about you and we shouldn't be judged just based on where we went to school, what was our previous job title, and all these superficial things that really don't convert to what we're able to do. 
so, so, so true. And I think a lot of my fellow students here at NYU Shanghai are struggling with this like antiquated version of like resumes because a lot of the skills that people have, it's like, well, I can't put like all the videos and music and art that I put like on a one page resume. Like that's coding on a resume. Like you write the word Python, but that's nowhere. Like the word Python that I can put Python is no way a significant replication of like the hours and days spent coding and the problem solved. And I think that's such a great point. Um, so yeah, where do you see the new generation coming into this? And like, what's like the ideal usage or network um, ecosystem rather of Rise? Yeah, so um, I think what I envision for the future is that people could truly be themselves authentically and find a work that brings them joy and matches their value 100%. So oftentimes when you're going into an interview, you put on um, this facade of you know, who you are, you answer the questions in a way that you think will make the employer want you. So it's not a true manifestation of who you are. So when you go to that job that first day or even that first week, first month, right? Slowly that facade comes off and you realize that this is not the company that you want to work for. And the employers realize that this is not the person that they thought they're getting. So it's kind of a mismatch on both sides. I think for um, a future in which people could fully be their best selves, meaning do the work that they love and be the best version of themselves, we have to let that self-expression and authenticity come through. And I think this is why, you know, you guys are doing podcasts, why platforms like, um, you know, TikTok um, are so prevalent and popular because people are looking for ways to express themselves, to show themselves off in ways that they uh, could invite more people into their world, right? Um, and I think that's where we're going. Um, the ways of the past were, were much more connected. The ways of the past in which we're one person at work and one person when we're off work um, are gone. I love that. I think that's so important. Um, and I, I, I completely agree with you. The messaging around resumes and LinkedIn are all like you so like for resumes like you have to summarize your whole life in like one page and like the idea of having like a longer than one page resume is so stigmatized because like nobody has time to read and fully understand you is like basically the messaging that we're taught we're like hey like you have to put it in one page because like nobody cares like what other shit you do like you have to get it down to like one page um can also be so and is everyone still using Garamond as the default yes, font exactly <laughs> Um, yes. And with, like the section, like the bold underlined yeah. section of like relevant experiences and the skills, the margins and everything. Um, yeah. But I love this idea of having more than just like a dynamic resume, more than just having like a one page resume and like having a place where people can truly understand who you are. What has kind of been like the feedback from this um, platform that you're building? So the whole idea of Arise actually came out of user interviews that we did during COVID. Um, so before COVID, Rise, what I call Rise 1.0 now, was a community for um, independent female professionals who were looking for flexible work. 
Um, and the reason that we existed was because pre-COVID, the only way for women to work when they want, where they, where they want, how they want, was via independent contracting. Um, obviously with COVID, so much of that has changed. Um, now many more companies offer flexible work arrangements. And what we asked uh, during uh, you know, COVID was, uh, what, 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 what's going on in your life? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing? And because so many people were out of jobs, we heard over and over again that I'm applying to 100, 150, um, and we've even heard horror stories of people applying to over 400 jobs um, just to get an interview. And these are not people who you know, don't have experiences or are not qualified. It's just that there's so much noise in the market and the system is so broken that what happens is it becomes a quote numbers game. So people just end up well, I'll just have to keep applying because you never know, or it, maybe it's disappearing into the abyss. And same with the employers, you know, what they realize is that, oh my gosh, I have like all these resumes come in. I don't even have time to like go through it, but I really want a diverse or female candidate. So I have to keep on continuing expanding my pipeline. So I'm going to sit there in front of LinkedIn and DM a thousand people. It's just tons of noise going back and forth like this and never connecting in the middle. So um, I think at one point someone was like, yeah, it'd be great if companies reach out to me first, let me know that they're interested in me instead of me going out there and applying to like, you know, 300, 400 jobs. And that was the light bulb moment where we're like, well, why can't they? <laughs> I actually, I love that mentality as well. Cause I started a community here called Entrepreneurs in Action, which is for entrepreneurial spirits. We have like events and we have um, an accelerator, a mentorship thing, and also an internship matching program. And with the internship matching program, as opposed to other programs or like rather LinkedIn, like where it's always like the employee who's looking out to the employer and they really feel like they have to like prove themselves. They feel less valued, which is always like just feeling rejected, which isn't nice. It's so like mix it up. We share the employee so the student information with the employers say you reach out to people you want because then when they're getting reach out to they're like i want it so it's not a matter of like i'm getting rejected it's like whoa like people like reach out to me because they want me like i am valued so yeah i completely understand your perspective yeah people also, want yeah, go ahead oh yeah no i think also like this idea of like apply like i'm currently applying for summer internships um, and sometimes you put your resume like out there into like these applications and it just feels like throwing things in like a dark hole, like a dark exactly. black hole. It's like, yeah. where is it going to go? Like, you don't know, you know? So I definitely resonate a lot with this idea of like making it a much more personal, um, like relationship building yeah. and like fun, almost like fun yeah. environment instead of like a very like cutthroat, like, okay, like you're throwing things at the wall and like hoping something sticks. Exactly. And both of you, you know, are super talented, ambitious, um, you know, young professionals, and you, you, you are already starting that process. And let me tell you, if we don't change the system, that's going to be the process for the rest of your lives. It doesn't ever change. Even, you know, my friends, um, you know, we were sharing stories. Um, she has 10 years of work experience. Um, she got accepted to both um, Harvard Law School as well as well as Stanford Law School. And um, she applied to 50 plus jobs before ending up with a job at Facebook. I mean, you know, why did she have to even apply to 50 jobs when, you know, she's clearly very talented and a lot of employers will love to work with her. But it's, you know, similarly for her, um, even at 10 years out of school, it's still a really um, uh, a, a negative process where you feel like you're you're not being valued. Yeah, I think that's such a big deal. Like, it's so sad to think that like you're not valued and like yeah. people, so many traits and skills, and like just even speaking to my friends here, they're like, 
oh, but I'm like no employable skills. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you just created A, B, and C. What do you mean? You just produced this, this incredible video. You just like wrote this blog. You just coded all this. Like, what do you mean that's no value? And like, what's really difficult is sometimes value is tied to funding and money. You can sit and like randomly invest like $10,000 in Bitcoin and make a million dollars right now at this point. Like, and that's not value. There's so much skill. And some of it's guessing. Yeah, yeah. some people like this isn't, I'm not talking about like institutional investing. That's of course a skill that's learned and all that stuff. I'm talking about like kind of random lotteries for if you will. And the fact that that can be considered more value than someone who's like relentlessly working on a project for you. Yeah. Yeah. But um, on that, on that note, we would love to begin to wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'll, we'll ask some like speedy questions but also hopefully some like meaningful and reflectful ones to end us off so sure. to start us off uh what is something that you are grateful for today um my family and my friends um definitely can't do this without them or a support network amazing and similarly what is something that you love about yourself today oh uh that i made it through 2020 <laughs> That's a real honest answer. Ooh, I love that. Honestly, true. I feel like a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for making through a literal like global pandemic. Like I have friends who like during the summer, they worked like three internship jobs, worked in research, did this, did that. And they come out and they're like, I didn't like, I'm not doing enough. Like, I don't feel worthy. And I'm like, girl, like <laughs> you just did all of that while also like thinking and having that pressure of like being in a pandemic. Like that's wild so I definitely applaud you for that um and then what does it mean to be an entrepreneur um to me I think it means to be relentlessly optimistic and believe um if you don't believe then no one else will believe um and so much of that energy is infectious um they have more reasons to doubt you than to believe you. So if you can't even muster that up within you, like it's going to be harder for other people as well. Um, and the point about optimism is um, it's hard um, and you have to see the bright side of things and those moments of positive outcomes that are worth celebrating they have to get you through the times in which it's really hard. And there are many more times when it's really hard than there are times when, um, you know, things are, things are going well and going smoothly. You make such a good point. And on that note, I am so sad to say, but we have finished up today's episode, but no worries, no worries. You guys can all continue to connect with Vivian uh, through Join, Rise and Beyond. So Vivian, where can people connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Rise. The website is joinrise.co, J-O-I-N-R-I-S-E dot C-O. Um, you can also find my profile and connect with me directly via the app as well. Um, you can just search for um, Vivian uh, when you're on the app and I answer all the messages. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We are so incredibly grateful to share your story and to hear more about your journey. And we can't wait to continue to follow. So thank you so much. And we hope to see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
We hope you learned a lot about Vivian and how her experiences started Rise. Thanks so much to Shreya and Claire as our podcast producers too. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Podcast community on Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey.